I thank you for this body of Christ. I thank you for all the churches throughout our community here who are preaching the word. And pray, Lord, that uh, your spirit would be strong and powerful in the lives of all your people. And may we, as your people, reach out to others. We thank you for those who take care of our community. And Lord, we pray your blessing and protection upon them. We pray your help now as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> now, if I were to ask you, who might you say are the people who most influence your choices, your decisions, your life, the direction you take in life? Who would those people be? And were, if you were to think of the convictions that you hold most dearly, most important to you, where might you say that they came from or come from? Now, would parents be near the top of that list? Your spouse? Close friends? Maybe teachers that you've had? Maybe sermons that you've heard, books that you've read, podcasters, bloggers. We've got a lot of avenues these days, don't we? Maybe some well-known person who has achieved a fair amount of success, and you look up to them for what they've accomplished. Maybe some expert in a special area of interest of yours. How much do you think that we are influenced by these people that we hold up or that we've been taught by or that we've sat under? <clears throat> Excuse me. This morning I want to finish out the Apostle Peter's warning against falling under the influence of false teachers that some are, in, in the people he's talking to, he's writing to, some are falling for these false teachers, and they're falling into their traps. And these traps that they set have huge consequences. And some of the church have fallen hard for them. Then what I'd like to do is mention and maybe warn us against some traps, some trap setters that we may not recognize as such. They may just be kind of coming in under the guard. What we really are talking about now are people who influence our thinking. You know, different people influence people in different ways. And there are times when we may not even know we are being influenced. It's just that messages come across in certain ways and we start to adopt them. And maybe we're not even aware of how much we've adopted them. But we're going to be looking at the end of chapter 2 of 2 Peter. Peter has been warning his followers about these false teachers who come into the church and very slyly introduce bad teachings that can lead people even to spiritual destruction, Peter says. They're teachings that lead <clears throat> excuse me, people away from the truth of the gospel, even into sexual immorality as Christians. And of course, 
They do this for their own selfish gain, these false teachers do. A lot of times they do it in order to build themselves up and have a following. They do it maybe for monetary gain. It's for different reasons. But they would come into this group of Christians, and these Christians at this time were pretty new to the faith, <clears throat> maybe come out of paganism or Judaism. And so they don't have everything set in their faith. So they're just prime targets for these false teachers. So I want you to look with me, if you will, at uh, chapter 2 of first, Second Peter, starting with verse 17. We'll go 17 through 19 at first here. <clears throat> In talking about the false teachers, Peter says, These people are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, <clears throat> they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. <clears throat> Hey, Laura, would you give me a drink of water? <clears throat> he calls them springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Now, these are things, you know, springs without water, mists driven by a storm, are things that look so promising at the outset, but they turn out to be empty and disappointing Especially when, you know, you're talking about an agrarian society when everything depends upon the rains, the next rain's coming. <clears throat> you have this thirsty traveler, and he comes upon a spring, which sparks hope in him because he's thirsty and he's dry and he's tired. Yeah, right here. Thank you. There's no water. <laughs> Better not put it here. I might get wild here. <laughs> Springs without water. They come upon this spring, and they have hope that now they're going to get the thirst quenched, and there's no water. Empty promises. Empty hopes. Then there's mist driven by a storm. You know, you mist, you have these water particles. <clears throat> And you think it just kind of seems like it's going to start raining because, you know, it's, the clouds are kind of low and looks that way. That a rain shower is coming. And in a farming community, everything is built upon when the next rain comes. I mean, all the excitement is that there might be some rain. One man used to say, he'd say, Jim, how you doing? He goes, well, we're one day closer to the next rain. But in this case... Instead, as far as these false teachers are involved, it turns out to be false hopes and severe disappointment as the storm, it says, driven by a storm. As the storm moves these mists away before a single drop comes. And that is the reality behind the promises coming from the false teachers. And Peter says, the blackest darkness is reserved for them. 
He's basically saying they have the worst place in hell. And that's their eternal punishment. And that punishment from God, when Peter says that, that kind of shows the depths of their wickedness. So when Peter talks about these false teachers, he's not talking about just somebody coming in and doing just uh, being obnoxious or you know, causing a little trouble. He's talking about people coming in and, and doing severe damage. And so in verse 18, he says, you know, the reason they are going to receive such harsh punishment says, for they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. You know, we said that these people have come out of Judaism and paganism, and so they've just escaped from false hopes and and things that weren't going to lead them to eternal life. And now these false teachers come in, and they see these people as prime targets, and they, they go for them. These false, well, these, these new converts, they've been told now, after years of having false doctrine, you know, not the truth of the gospel, they've been offered the truth of the gospel, they've heard now of the love of God in its greatest form the giving of his son for the forgiveness of sin. And you know, these, Judies, these people into Judaism, they could never uh, please God with their works. They could never match up to salvation. And so now they find out that Christ came and he did the work. If they go to him and connect with him, accept him, <clears throat> now they can have what Christ offered them, and they can have freedom, real freedom. And perhaps, you know, all their lives they've wondered about the afterlife. Where will I end up? What awaits me? Will there be suffering in in the next life? Have I been good enough? And now they hear this gospel message of God's supreme love for mankind. That he sent his son and his son took the, the punishment and the payment so that we could have it freely through Christ. And that salvation is faith in in the name of Christ. And they're elated more than they could have imagined. But they're young in the faith. And again, prime targets for these wicked false teachers who are out seeking victims. Again, Peter doesn't say that there are people who just are making mistakes. He says they're out for trapping people in false doctrine. Peter says they use boastful words, appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, enticing people who are just escaping from those. These false teachers come in with impressive speech. I mean, they're talented people. They're skilled at what they do. Boastful words appealing to the Lustful desires of the flesh, like greed and power and sexual immorality. Enticing those who have just left that, and they're not strong enough to be uh, totally ready to, to face these kind of people. They're vulnerable. And these, these false teachers, they know how to work these people. They know how to build themselves up, pretending that they really care for them, and they really don't. And then verse 19 says... 
They promised them freedom, while they, the false teachers themselves, are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. <clears throat> and really, what they're promising them is freedom according to the world's standards. But freedom according to the world's standards actually turns out to be slavery. Slavery to depravity. You know, in the world's standards, freedom is throwing off all restraints. Being able to engage in every desired excess, whether it's eating, spending, sexual activity, having others serve you, you know, having massive popularity, having people chase after you. But behind that false front, behind that facade, is really slavery to depravity. And we become whatever we're addicted to. At the beginning, we love it. And then it turns out to destroy us. And that is the road a false teacher will lead us down. Because they don't care about anyone else. They only care about themselves. And they talk a great game. And they can be the most spiritual person through their words. But their talk is empty. They're out to use others and to bring themselves their own desires. Now, in a couple of minutes, we're going to look into some modern false teachers. <clears throat> Not by name, necessarily, but just what we have today in our world as false teachers. And we want to recognize what that could be because we don't want to fall into those traps. But first, in our last four verses here, we're going to see how, and even how heartbreaking Peter says it is when someone falls for the deception of a false teacher. Look at verses, well, look at verse 20, first of all. He's talking about those who have come to Christ. He says, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it, you know, because of the false teachers, and are overcome by it, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. So those who came to know Christ and then are led astray by the false teachers, and they fall for it, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Those who are lured into the trap taken back into the bondage that they once had escaped, worse off than they were before. And he says in verse 21, it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command, you know, the gospel, that was passed on to them. For them to turn back to the bondage that they had been freed from through Christ is worse than somebody never having been freed at all. That's what Peter's saying. And then he says, those who turn their backs or go back into their previous bondage after having been freed, they make true this proverb in verse 21. <clears throat> 
they live out these Proverbs. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. This is the person who finds freedom from sin, freedom from eternal punishment and guilt, where they found freedom from slavery to fear, freedom from confusion, from ignorance, from being used by others, freedom from their uncertainty about what heaven and hell is all about and how you get to heaven, freedom from the uncertainty of what God's love does and, and how, how far it reaches. And after ha- escaping all of that, after having experienced the unmatched, unequaled love of God, and finally being able to put all the pieces together, then to go back into that corruption and emptiness. It's like a dog returning to its vomit. I think a lot of us have seen that. It's not a pretty sight, is it? And then maybe you can imagine if you've ever been at a county fair where the kids bring their pigs, and they're real clean and really well taken care of. Then they take them back and right into the mud, right? That's the picture or description of someone finding freedom from corruption and trouble and emptiness and then being led right back into it by a false teacher. And so it's a horrible thing for, to be taken advantage of like that. So as we can see from Peter's strong language, he has no sympathy for these false teachers. They are just abusers of innocent people. And they are out hunting prey. Now, there are people that just make mistakes, right? But these aren't those people. These, these are the people who plan to make mistakes. Maybe the cult leaders, maybe whoever. But they're out to get people, and they're out to you know, please themselves by taking control of others. They're skilled in their work and their wicked tactics. And they pretend to care about others. They talk a great game. But they only want to use others for their own ends. Maybe you've talked to people or known people like that. That, you know, when you talk to them, after you get to know them, you think, okay, guard up. Peter says the blackest darkness is reserved for them. And I suppose that Peter has seen people he loved taken captive by these phonies and if you've ever watched any of those documentaries or those movies they made about these cults that go off into some distant or some uh, place way out of the country way out or way out of the city and they just get total mind control over the people that they're leading and then maybe the movie will show you the parents that's happening It's so sad, and that's what Peter was going through. He says the blackest darkness awaits them. And it is heartbreaking if someone you know gets caught in something like that. To see someone you care about falling for someone else's deceit and manipulation. Um, I worked with the soccer club here in Tahlequah for a number of years and I didn't know this for a long time, but one guy that would help with all the equipment, and he coached some and everything, and he and I got to know each other just a little bit. 
when all the David Koresh things start happening. He and I were talking. He said David Koresh was his roommate in college. And so he went to his mother. He, went, he got to know David Koresh's mother. And so he went to her and tried to comfort her after all that had happened. And just to think what it would be like to be David Koresh's mother and watch or know of all that that he was doing to those people. He, you know, sad for him himself as your child, but also really sad that he hurt so many people's lives. But now I want to spend our last few minutes looking at sources of influence today. Who are we listening to? Sources that have influenced Christians in a negative way, in ways that encourage Christians to act or live contrary to our faith. Who are we listening to? Ways that can be very destructive. And maybe we don't even know these people. But we have very strong influencers in our society that encourage or present in very positive lights lifestyles or values or beliefs that lend or lead us against our faith. And a reason, the lot of reason that these people have for doing this is because it makes them money. So they try to take you down a, a pathway that makes you think you need what they're selling. But <clears throat> there are other just popular trends of thought and that sort of thing that just come out and they become very popular because we have so many means of communication. And you know, today, just as an example, it's becoming real popular. You know, well, first of all, you know, truth has always been what is true all the time, right? Something that's right all the time, everywhere, at all times, because it's just truth. Well, today, interestingly enough, people are starting to say, well, that's your truth. That's my truth. This is my truth. And so it totally empties the word of its meaning because they individualize truth as if everybody can have their own. <clears throat> and so it just empties the word. And Jesus said, if you accept my teaching and you become my disciple, then you will know the truth and that truth will set you free. Now, that isn't going to happen when everybody has their own truth, is it? That's only one truth. It's Jesus Christ. One truth. And he's the way to eternal life. And that's the only way you're going to get to eternal life. And that truth will set us free. But if we just all adopt our own individual truth, well, that's just a destructive doctrine that can lead to spiritual ruin. And that's a doctrine that can keep or a belief that can keep people away from Christ and finding the real truth. And here's another teaching in songs, children's movies. You know, I hear it in these different... <clears throat> I mean, the movies are real entertaining, well-made, but they, they have these little, these little uh, lines in them or these little beliefs in them that they kind of promote... And one is, follow your feelings. Always follow your feelings. 
And then in, in a song it might say, when was the last time you truly followed your heart? And often in these animated movies, you have this overbearing father trying to keep his daughter who's coming of age to do what he has planned for her, but she wants to do something else. She doesn't want to be the next queen. She doesn't want to be whatever. She doesn't want to live under the sea. <clears throat> and so you have these, these overbearing fathers trying to get these daughters to do what they had planned for them, and then these daughters finally they need to follow their feelings. And then the father realizes he was wrong. And I'm not saying fathers can't ever be wrong. But the fact of follow your feelings. Go by your feelings no matter what. If it's your feeling, then it's, it's good. It's, it's right. And in other words, what they're saying is truth is what is inside of you in your heart. You know, your truth. I heard one gifted, popular Christian speaker, and he was talking about how sometimes when young people are really confused, don't know which way they're supposed to go, not sure how they're supposed to be, what they should believe in, should they follow their parents, should they not, and they're often told, look inside of yourself for the truth. Look deep inside of yourself for the truth. And this speaker said, now, why would you look inside of yourself for the answer to your life when you were the one that was confused? <laughs> so that's like if I go up to somebody with a technological question or a mechanical question, and they say, look inside of yourself for the answer. <laughs> that's going to get me walking. <laughs> I'll never get anywhere with that. But that's just the world's way of thinking because it's in here. Humanity is lifted up, is exalted, you know, above godhood. Now, another false teaching that causes a lot of damage and much confusion is that if you think something strong enough or feel it deeply enough, it makes it true. It's kind of like we make our own reality. And that's just a message that's kind of coming out in our society. So it's, it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside or what the facts are. Feelings and desires are the things that make something true or not. It kind, of kind of fits into my truth, your truth. <clears throat> now, you know, feelings and desires are important. God made us with feelings and desires, right? But we can't just think things into existence, can we? And that's what we're seeing in this area of gender fluidity. If I feel it, it must be. And if I want it, I can make myself that. You know, feelings are important, as we say. But we also live in a world where facts are important. And when something is an ironclad, ironclad fact, you can't change that fact just by feeling or wanting something to be another way. And another thing that has been, become popular in our modern culture, <clears throat> this is just more of a lifestyle, 
is couples living together outside of the marriage covenant. And see, that destroys the whole plan because it's within a marriage covenant that marriage is supposed to exist and live and grow and where we become better people. And so just to take that marriage union and take it outside of what was way it was planned, that's just taking things down a whole different road that doesn't lead to good so often. It's hard enough in a marriage covenant, but now to just take it and take it outside of that, we're just reshaping things outside of God's word. Now, you know, there are other things we could mention, but I would like to warn us against the danger of where these destructive messages are coming at us from. And many times these messages are coming at us <clears throat> excuse me, through, through things, instruments that we have unlimited access to. Many times these messages are coming at us through music, which, you know, talented people write this music, through movies, through streaming online, through smart devices. Then you have Facebook, YouTube, just to name a few, and you keep going. And these messages come to us in real attractive passages, packages because we have very talented and convincing actors. We have very talented and skilled musicians. We have people who are very, very good at humor, writing scripts for TV shows, movies, captivating stories. We have clever advertisers. And we have popular celebrities who their words carry a lot of weight. You know, <clears throat> it strikes me funny when you have people who have become well-known for their acting skills or their musical ability or the way they shoot a basketball, and all of a sudden they're experts on everything in the world. Experts on, you know, what we should use in our cars. Experts on, you know, things that they have no more authority than anybody else. Experts on political decisions. Experts on morality. And they shoot a basketball well. Okay. And you know, these messages can be inundated. On the surface, they seem harmless or attractive or maybe even positive or loving. Because that's the way they're packaged. So even if we don't have literal false teachers coming into our church trying to entice us or trying to take people down a different road <clears throat> or, you know, trying to promote their beliefs or philosophies. We can be led down a destructive pathway just by allowing these messages into our lives over and over again or into our homes. So we have to be careful, don't we? Which then leads us back to what Peter was saying way back in chapter 1. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Make every effort to make your Christianity strong, solid, and faithful. 
Make every effort to live into your faith completely. To confirm your calling and election. Be in the word. Get to know God better. All through the word you learn more and more about God. A lot of times people, when they, when they leave God, when they, when they say they don't believe in God anymore, they haven't seen the whole of Scripture. They pick out one thing and they say, I, I, I can't go with that. And he's telling them, Peter's saying, be in the Word of God. Get to know God through His Word. Go deeper in your knowledge of God. Commune with God in prayer. Revel in the fellowship with the saints. Share in the fellowship with your saints. Share the love of Christ with your neighbor. People at work, people at school. Don't just open the floodgates to every message out there. Don't be taken advantage of. Because that's the way we get entangled and overcome by the corruption that we once escaped from. Is when we get just sometimes just slowly, get, we drift into these wrong thoughts. Just because we're around it all the time, it becomes the ocean we swim in. And we're not into the word enough to stop us from just getting taken by those waves. Slavery comes from the enticement of the world. And freedom comes through Jesus Christ. So, who are we listening to? That makes all the difference. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And just how faithful you are. And how true you are. We pray, and we thank you that, Lord, there is a bottom line truth to everything. And it's the existence of you, Father, and your Son, and the Spirit, who reigns supreme over all the universe, over all existence. And Lord, help us to understand you better, to know you better through your word and through prayer and through our fellowship. And help us to reach out to others who need to know you so they don't get taken in by the world's messages. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.